Greetings. This is Justin Allen with the Elite Nurse Practitioner. Welcome to the Elite Nurse Practitioner Show, a podcast dedicated to nurse practitioner entrepreneurism and achieving financial freedom, where I talk directly with nurse practitioners who need help. Listen up. Our market is saturated. Jobs can be scarce. We are underpaid. We are undervalued. We are taken advantage of by the sharks within the healthcare system. And frankly, screw that. Sick of it. And it's time for a change. And listen, I'm here to help make that happen. We are powerful. We can forge a path where we are in control of our career and ultimately our financial and personal well-being. You do not need to submit to healthcare administrators and your doctor overlords. You do not have to take the measly salary. You do not have to work 50 to 60 hours a week. There is a different way, and I'm here to show you that path. This podcast is raw and unfiltered. I have not talked to nurse practitioners in this podcast prior to the call outside of an email exchange to schedule the episode. What you're about to listen to is a consultation session between a nurse practitioner and myself. It is real, it is unscripted, it is unplanned, and I have no idea what we're going to talk about. Anything and everything can happen during our conversation. The nurse practitioners in these episodes are struggling with an issue in their professional or financial life, and they have reached out to me for help. My goal is to help a nurse practitioner with actionable advice that will enhance and improve their professional, business, and financial life. My other goal is to hopefully help my nurse practitioner sisters and brothers build a more productive, powerful, and free life. So I hope the content and information within these podcast episodes does just that. All right, on to the episode. Hello, everyone. Today, we'll be talking to Rick, who is currently in school to become a psychiatric nurse practitioner. Rick is 62 years old and is trying to figure out a few things moving forward. He's needing assistance determining where to work to get the biggest bang for his buck. He's also wanting to begin building a business now while he is in school so he can hit the ground running once he finishes. So Rick is looking for overall assistance on the best strategy to make his future as optimal as possible. Hey, Rick, how are you? Hey, I'm doing great. Yourself? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for hopping on here. So this is a pretty unique situation. I don't think we've had anyone in their 60s. I don't believe uh, maybe maybe one other person. So um, so yeah. So I'm curious to talk with you to figure out you know uh, what's your strategy here. So you're 62 years old. You go back to school, become a second NP. So I guess just tell us a little about yourself. Yeah. So I uh, have had a career as a uh, insurance executive, uh, and then I owned my own business for about 15 years before I kind of wound that down and decided I wanted to do something different, get back and in, get into a clinical position. I've always been in the healthcare industry. So I went back to uh, school, got my nursing degree. Uh, I've been doing that for a few years and then decided uh, about a year ago to start my uh, degree for psych NP. Got about four semesters left. Uh, and I think unlike a lot of your listeners listen to a lot of your podcasts, uh, I'm kind of in a unique position is that my main constraint, as I see it, is time. Um, at 62 years old, I, I mean, I don't see myself really shutting down at any point in the future. Uh, I want to stay involved, engaged, active, uh, but I do want to have an option to, to quote unquote, retire without finances, you know, being my main consideration. Um, you know, and through the business I have, through saving some investments in that, I, I've, I can turn on some guaranteed income in about five years to give me and my wife a steady kind of a middle-class lifestyle, but I want to do better than that. Sure. Um, so, um, you know, I, I, there are a couple of options that I'm thinking about. One is, you know, I've got 17 years of combined active and reserve military service. I know I can probably get a job at the VA and there's a some kind of way that I can buy into 
their retirement program that includes my military service, work a number of years, and then retire with a a full VA pension. However, I've had a really hard time getting a straight answer on how that works. Yeah. yeah, so it's just I just want to address that just real quick. I don't want to interrupt you, but I just just on that topic. Um, I mean, I have some people who work at the VA who are in the military and everything. So my understanding is you get to count your military um experience and whatever you work on the VA on top of it. So like if you have, you know, 16, 17 years in the service, then my understanding is you don't have to work like three or four years and you get and you get that full that full pension. I do know some people who've done it, uh, and there is an amount of money that you have to buy into oh. the, that pension plan to make the. It's not a lot uh, to make that transition, but I don't. Yeah, you know, I can't get an answer on what that is. Gotcha. I can't get an answer on how many years it would. I would have to work, or really what the pension would actually be. So it, it's an option, but it's not something that I'm counting on. Right. And you know, I think unlike somebody maybe who, if I was doing this 20 years ago, where I had decades to work full time and to build a business, you know, I plan to really get after it for at least, you know, five or six years, then I want to be in a position to step back. So my interest in private practice isn't so much about how much income it can deliver me in exchange for my time putting into it. I I really am more interested, you know, in, in really four core questions, which is one, how and if I can build an asset in the space of three or four years that's large enough that I could sell at a multiple to net, you know, one or two million dollars. Um, or is there something else I can build and then have another person run it day to day and have that deliver me, you know, quote, passive income? Or maybe there's something, you know, in between. And regard, you know, depending on which way this goes. Uh, and depending on what you might suggest, what can I be doing now while I have, a, you know, another year or so left of school that's within my scope of practice to begin to establish myself with a within a community or a target market to be the go to person that I can then turn on at what whatever point I am at when I start a practice. Does that make sense? Yeah. OK, so. You want to start your own practice. Like that's that's the goal. You want to try to the ultimate goal here is to not be in a middle class retirement, right? You would like to enjoy some money and maybe live a little bit more of an active life and do some fun things for, you know, five to 10 years, right? Like right. you hit 65 or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. You'll turn it on at that point. Or even I mean, even later, I don't know that I would ever just check out and never you know, do anything, but right, uh, right. But at the I don't want finances too. to be the driver of that decision. Right, right. I got you. I got you. But, but, but to have the option to go to Europe for a month and not have to worry about it. If yeah, you wanted to. Right, 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 right. right. Gotcha. Okay. So if that's your goal, um, and not shutting off completely. You know, still working, maybe just more or less in a part time kind of fashion. Um, but have the option to just say screw it, and I'm gonna, you know, I'm not gonna work for a month or two. Uh, you know, this is called the coast fi, basically like coast <laughs> financial independence, right? So like mm-hmm. you're still working a little bit, you're still making some money. But you have the option to shut it off for a few months if you, you know, if you so desire, right? So you're still in control. You have some money on the side that you could live off of if you needed to. So essentially, you have that, you have that FU money in the background, basically, right? Like you can just say, 
F it and just be done if you wanted to, right? Yes. So yeah. So like you said, you're not chasing finances, but that's that's part of the goal. That pretty much sums it up, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I just want to make sure. So people listening are, you know, kind of just following as well. Um, okay. So you want to start this practice. So you have a couple options here. Like you said, you could work if you wanted to, um, you know, if you found a job, you know, as a psych NP, you can make pretty decent money, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you can come out of school making $140,000 a year with the right job. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you could potentially make more. I mean, I've talked to some psych NPs who are making two hundred, two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year being employed. Like they're making really, really good money. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you're still employed, right? Right. Um, yeah, and you know, you have to deal with all that kind of nonsense. So, uh, so there is, there are some very lucrative jobs out there, but that might require you to relocate as well. And I'm assuming. Is that not, is that an option for you whatsoever, or are you pretty much settled? It's, it's at? It, it, it's not a preference, but it's not you know something that would be completely off the table. I got you, right, right, okay. But it's not something that you would really want to do unless you absolutely yeah. had to, kind of a thing. Yeah, that it would be uh, what much lower on the uh, choices. I got you, right, okay. So let's just kind of throw that out then, you know. So you know, in your area, I'm not sure how lucrative psych NP jobs are. I mean, I'm assuming you're in a program and people talk, and I'm sure you've looked. Uh, mm-hmm. What's what's the job market like in the uh, in the area? It's pretty good for psych NPs. It it was one of my you know decisions in choosing this specialty, uh, I, I I was really thinking about, you know, what's the ROI on my investment since I'm self-paying through uh, nurse practitioner school? How fast am I going to reclaim that? And how many how much opportunity do I have to work in the field once I graduate? Um, and, you know, it, while it's not supposed to be a factor, age is still a factor in employment decisions. Sure. And I needed to have, you know, that's uh, one of the reasons I went into nursing where, you know, there's always a demand and there's not as much um there's not as much consideration on age for a lot of things uh i also know uh, anecdotally from just people and colleagues here in the area uh that in in my community that there is a pent up need for psychi- psychiatric services i've heard a number of people remark that they're waiting months to see a psychiatrist or or even to get into a mental health facility. So I think there's a, there's going to be a lot of demand when I get ready to pull the trigger on this. And do you have any idea what these jobs are paying? Um, I think they're, it, no, to be honest with you, I'm, it's a wide range from as little as $90 to as much as $160, depending upon the organization, the, you know, the amount of work you're doing. Uh, I, I mean, I'm saying uh, on an annual income, 90000 to 160000 uh, depending upon the kind of organization you go into, how much work you want to do, uh, that type of thing. Gotcha. Okay. So, I mean, there's 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 definitely an opportunity to make a nice $150,000 plus a year salary is, mm-hmm. what, it's, is what it sounds like. Yeah, I think so. Potentially, potentially even more. You know, 90 bucks an hour is, you know, it's almost $200,000 a year, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... So I guess the question then here is, could you make more money in your private practice in the short amount of time that you have, right? Uh, well, and compared to you know a job, basically. Yes, um, that I mean that is one question. Uh, but as far as the practice is concerned, I'm right now I'm more interested or more focused on can I make the practice into an asset. That right. I can 
turn over or sell at a multiple. Sure. Well, of course um, you can. Yeah. yeah. And and I don't know what the reality of that is in right. the time well, span that I want to spend on it. I mean, very realistic, you know, five to 10 years. I mean, I, I started a telemedicine practice where you were doing some transgender hormone replacement therapy and I had it for less than a year and sold it. Like someone okay. just approached me. I was like, sure, I'll sell you this. Like, okay. You know? So, I mean, that's definitely possible. Now that was kind of when, you know, the beginning of the whole transgender HRT and stuff was, you know, I guess gaining traction or whatever you want to call it. So I was kind of mm-hmm. right place at the right time sort of a thing. But, um, you know, there are large hospital groups that do snatch up practices. There's some private equity out there um, that, you know, snatch up practices. I mean, I've been approached with my men's health clinic from a couple places before. Uh, you know, I know of some other NPs that own some practices that, They've been approached by people, you know, uh, the hospital groups or large private equity companies who, you know, snatch up small clinics and then package them up, right? And then sell them to another higher bidder later on. And I know an NP who sold his primary care practice for over $2 million, mm-hmm. um, but he was running that thing for 10, 15 years. You right. Know? And it was yeah. a pretty profitable practice, right? But it made him a millionaire overnight, basically. I mean, he was already a millionaire before that. He was investing in stuff appropriately. But it's possible. And so if there are some large hospital systems in your area and you can build up a traditional kind of practice where you accept insurance, that sort of a thing, then um, then, yeah, you could definitely sell it, you know, for a two to four X multiple of, mm-hmm. of, of net revenue. Right. And right. so, yeah. And so if you so if you build up a psych practice um, as an asset, you could potentially sell later. One thing that you need to keep in mind is, is that you as the business owner and you as the provider need to be as hands off as possible. No one's Mm going to buy a business from you that relies on the owner because that's not something that they can scale and that they could easily transition away from you. Because if you get into a car wreck a week after you sell it, they're screwed. And Mm -hmm. so this is something that you have to be thinking about if you want an asset that you can sell later on. You have to be as hands off as possible. Okay. So that would be something that you would start the practice and you're hiring psych NPs, you know, within a year of opening it and transitioning patients over to them. So that would be, you know, kind of the the strategy there. You could do this now if you wanted to and just hire psych NPs for seeing patients for you. You don't need oh. patient. You can just do this yourself. You can just start the practice if you want. Anyone can do that. Anybody. Even if I'm not a licensed NP. It doesn't matter. Okay. I know. Yeah. Yeah. I know all kinds of non-medical people who own medical practices. They just hire people to work for them. They just run it. Ah, okay. Okay. You could do that now if you wanted to, if you have some money to invest in it and that kind of a thing. And then once you Mm -hmm. get done with school, then you can start seeing your own patients. But what I'm doing right now with my men's health clinic is I'm offloading as many patients as possible onto my other providers. So I'm not hands-on anymore and I can sell it. I see. Okay. Like I only see patients like half a day a week now, one mm-hmm. day a week, half a day, like four hours or something. So like my goal is to have all the other MPs that are working for me, see the patients. I mean, we have four, four MPs now working at my mental clinic. So that's kind of what you want to do if that's the goal. And so you could do that within a five-year period if you, I mean, if you just hit it hard and really, you know, really focus in and 
market and get patients, get credentialed, hire providers, do it the right way. You know, a traditional medical practice that accepts insurance, that kind of practice is easy to sell because hospital groups, they love snatching those things up and putting them under their umbrella. Oh man, you, you, I've listened to enough of your episodes to scare me off of accepting insurance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, dude. Uh, a cash accepting psych practice is going to be a pretty hard sell to someone. Okay. You know, it's just going to be... <laughs> This is the thing about the thing about primary care and site care. Um, it's it's an insurance game predominantly. I mean, you could do it cash, and it can work. It's just a hell of a lot slower. Uh huh. Yeah. Psych NP, you know, psych reimbursements pretty good though, from what I hear. I mean, I'm not a psych NP, so I don't do it myself. But mm-hmm. psych NPs that I've talked with who own their own practice, the reimbursements pretty good. Like a, it's it's a hell of a lot better than what you get for family practice. Oh, okay. Significantly better. So it may be worth the headache. It might be worth the headache. Yeah. It's not much of a headache if you can get some solid billing people, if you get a solid billing company to be doing the billing for you and to deal with audits and, you know, chargebacks, all that kind of crap. Okay. So, so yeah, so that's definitely a possibility. If, if your goal is to sell it, I would highly recommend, um, I would highly recommend accepting insurance. You know, there was between a men's health clinic is, is that it's predominantly cash based a lot of the time or a weight loss clinic or an aesthetics practice. Like you go into that knowing it's more of a cash based thing. And so you could sell that to private equity, you know, who owns, you know, the dozens or hundreds of cash based practices. Like that's what they do. Right. But mm-hmm. a cash based psych practice, I just, I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to think, you know, can you truly scale that? Can you truly grow that? Uh, to match the revenue of an insurance accepting psych practice. And, you know, I'm sure you can, but it's going to take a lot longer. I see. And you don't have, to, you, you don't have 15, 20 years. Right. You know, you have five. You want to get this well, done. Well, yeah. I hope I have 15 or 20 years, but well, I'm sure. in the whole time doing it. <laughs> right, 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 right. I mean, you know, I mean, I know 80 year old, you know, p- providers that are still seeing patients. I mean, I remember there was a, there was an old 80, this guy was like 85 years old. He's an old doctor, an old hospital is still rounding on patients. It's just like, oh, gosh, whatever you want to do, man, you know, yeah. <laughs> whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, but anyways, though, if that's your goal, though, I would, I, I would advise accepting insurance. So be, be keeping that in mind if the, you, if, if you want to build an asset like that. Now, the thing is though, too, is keep this in mind. If you accept insurance and you hire some other psych NPs, you now have an asset that basically prints cash off for you. Ah. You don't even need to sell it. You could just have that asset there and it's just paying you a distribution every month because you have four providers. Let's say you have four providers seeing patients for you. You have an office manager. You have staff. All you're literally doing is working the back end, maybe doing some payroll, cutting the checks making sure insurance is up to date, you know, doing some more of that back end business owner stuff. And Mm -hmm. that does not take that much time. I mean, Uh an hour a week, like Mm -hmm. once it's set up and running. So you could, Mm -hmm. so you could build a very powerful passive income. So you could get your, you know, you could have your retirement, you could have all that spinning off that middle-class income for you. Then you have this other asset, you know, this, this, this psych practice, you have this other asset that's now, generating 10, 15, $20,000 a month in profit, that's going straight to you. Now you mm-hmm. went from middle class to more of a very wealthy retirement. Yes. Yeah. So keep that in mind. Okay, good. Yeah. That's yeah. Good. Yeah. Would not have thought of that. Yeah. So just keep all that in mind. You had any other questions in terms of, you know, thinking of this as 
as an asset. Do you have an idea of what kind of multiple these types of practices would sell for? From my understanding, it's a two to four X uh, multiple of the net revenue. So, So if you have four psych NPs working for you, for example, and you know, they're all generating three or four hundred thousand dollars, five hundred thousand dollars a year in gross uh revenue, you know, profit margins are usually anywhere between 20 to 40 percent on a medical practice, usually. So I mean mm-hmm. you do the math there, you know, you're gonna be okay. looking at you know, five hundred to seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars in net profit a year, you know, and now you multiply that by two or four, I mean you're over a million bucks. Uh-huh. But then you got to pay Uncle Sam uh, capital gains tax on that. And so, you know, subtract 20, 20, 22% from that. So, yeah, that's what you would net after it was all said and done. So you give up a practice that's generating uh, a passive income of $30,000, $40,000 a month to you, and you sell it for $1.5 million. Now you put that $1.5 million into the market that pays 4 or 5%. Uh, you were better off just keeping the damn practice. It sounds like it, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> yeah, you were better off just keeping the practice. Like, you know, there just gets to a point where it's, you know, what's what's it worth keeping versus, you know, versus still growing it and working right. it and stuff. You know, it's just it's ultimately up to the business owner. How sick of it are you? Are you just sick yeah. of it? You know, or you just want to do you want to exit and be done with it? I mean, at 70 years old, you know, if you have 1.5 million in the market, that's a lot of money. You could you could take a hundred thousand dollars a year out of it for 15 years and still mm-hmm. have that still have that other money that you got going, you know. Do yes. you, you know, are you gonna need two hundred thousand dollars a year at 80, 85? Probably not. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. But a lot of stuff to you know think about. Yes. Yep. Yeah. So any other questions there? Um would there be any difference between a brick and mortar practice and a telepsych practice as far as that uh, value of the asset? Um, I would imagine something that's telepsych would probably uh, sell for a higher multiple, probably just because it's 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 more scalable. Mm-hmm. You know, you can it's something that can grow faster, but. Um, from an insurance standpoint, it's a lot easier to get credential if you actually have an office and stuff. So I think a hybrid practice probably would be the way to go. Okay. Yeah. And plus the, you know, the rules surrounding um controlled substances and telemedicine and you know, all of these these laws and regulations are constantly evolving. Insurance is not reimbursing as much as they were for tele, you know, telemed, telepsych services. So there's a lot of gray in terms of the future goes. Okay. Yeah. So keep that so, in mind too. Yeah. Is there uh so let's let me go. I mean, you kind of answered the other two questions I had was, you know, is there something else I could do that that wasn't possible? It sounds like, you know, in a space of three or four years, kind of following this this path that you've laid out here, an insurance-based psych practice, hybrid type of practice, um, is very doable in the time frame that I want to spend with it. Very doable, man. Do you can get this up and running in six to twelve months? It's not that hard. Okay. So what you would want to do is you will you would want to begin the credentialing process like as soon as possible. That's what that's what's going to take the longest. It's going to take six okay. months. Okay. It's wow. going to take six months for the for the entity to get credentialed. All right. So that's going to be basically your um that's going to be one of your biggest hurdles is just getting mm-hmm. credentialed and getting all that stuff done. So um, you know, 
I don't, I don't know if you can get credentialed without, I don't think you can get credentialed without having your licensure and stuff first. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. The only way you're going to be able to do that is if you can find a psych NP that's, you know, in the background and then you use their, you use their credentials to then Mm -hmm. credential the organization and then that provider's credential. And then once the, once the organization's credentialed and uh, credentialing you underneath it to start seeing and billing patients, it it takes 30 to 60 days usually. Mm -hmm. Yeah. After I have graduated, licensed, you know, we got my DEA number, all that's done. How how long do you think I should work before I start seeing patients on my own? What would you suggest? Well, it solely depends on uh, you know how well prepared you feel like you know from school, okay. clinical clinical rotations and stuff. I personally felt prepared when I graduated in P school. Um, I did, but I mm-hmm. I worked ER. I was. I studied all the time. I mean, I felt I felt pretty prepared to be honest with you. I really didn't need a whole okay. lot of experience. I just jumped right in. Some people need more experience and you know more mentorship and that kind of a thing. You know, general psych. You know, if you were just if you were just treating some more basic stuff, you know, like the anxiety and the depression and the insomnia and ADHD and you know, I guess the less complicated things. Uh, versus mm-hmm. schizophrenia and bipolar and, you know, all those personality disorders, you know, all that other stuff. If you wanted to keep it simple, I mean, I would imagine you should be able to do that fairly easily right out of school. Mm-hmm. You know, it just depends on your clinical rotations. So my advice mm-hmm. for you, um, have you started your clinical rotations yet? No, start uh, first of the year. Okay. My advice to you is, is to find as solid preceptors as possible. And if I was you begin seeing the patients yourself in those clinical rotations as early as possible. Don't, you know, don't be someone's just, you know, don't be holding their hand there, you know, the entire time you, that Mm -hmm. clinical time is for you to try to become as independent as possible with it. Like, you know, I, I did some rotation in the ER and I just went and saw patients and I couldn't Mm -hmm. report to the doc or the NP or whatever with, you know, what it was. And like, they weren't even in the room with me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's mm-hmm. what you need to be doing. Obviously, yeah. follow them and you know shadow them and whatnot for the first few weeks, but you need to jump into it as quick as possible. Uh, that's what that was my game plan. Is I wanted to. I, I work in the ER now, so I'm not intimidated at all about just jumping in and trying to figure out what's Good. going on. Yeah, know? no, the, dude, the ER as an RN is probably one of the best places you could work to really feel competent and to see just about everything. You see everything in the ER, everything, yes. literally yeah. everything. Yeah. 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 Um, well, good. Uh, so just real quick, maybe we could talk about target market as it relates yeah. to uh, having a hybrid practice we're trying to build as an asset. Um, I know that you have said in a lot of other uh, episodes, you know, go with, you know, go with what you know uh, to, uh, you know, niche down as much as you can. I, I'm I'm wondering what your thoughts are about a niched psych practice uh, becoming a asset that can be sold as opposed to a more general psych practice? Um, I think the general psych practice is probably going to be something that's going to be easily. Uh, okay. You're, you're going to be able to scale it faster and you'll be able to sell it easier. Okay. Yeah. You know, focusing down on a niche is more, more specific to a cash practice 
And so mm -hmm. if you're going to be accepting insurance, it's probably really not necessary. Just general psych is probably probably going to be sufficient enough for you to build up a patient census and to bring up that patient volume as fast as possible. Okay. If you only treat ADHD and your credential with insurance and you have all these people, you know, calling about their depression and anxiety, you're turning away money. Mm -hmm. You need every single dollar you can to affect the bottom line of the practice for the net revenue if your goal is to sell it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or if your okay. goal is to have it be a passive income stream for you that spins off, a, you know, a check every month for you. Right. Well, relating back to our earlier conversation, it sounds like that's the better route to go is is build it up with a solid you know monthly income stream and get it to a point where i'm only dickering with it a few hours a week exactly that should be the goal and you can easily get there in a couple of years easily it's not that hard once you get into it and start doing it yeah you know my men's health practice was running itself after two years mm -hmm. you know i didn't really have to do a whole lot with it uh, it's it's just it's having solid staff that's what it ultimately comes down to yeah, it you know. sounds like the way to go. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, getting back then to my the kind of the last question I had uh, related to this is um, if that's, you know, if the, my goal is to build this kind of a general psych practice, uh, it's insurance based. Um, and it's, you know, just the reality of it, it's probably just going to start with me to get it off the ground and then bring, you know, people into it. Um, what can I be doing now? within my scope of, uh, you know, as an RN, with my scope of practice as an RN, what could I be doing now from a marketing standpoint to start building a community? Uh, I mean, the idea would be that, you know, when when I pull the trigger and open the door, the floodgates open and people already are pent up waiting to come in. Well, <laughs> I don't know if that's possible, but I mean, what could I be doing now? Uh, more than likely, it's probably not going to happen. So just, so just FYI, <laughs> yeah. It's okay. it, it, and people aren't going to wait, dude. Like they're anxious; they want treatment now. They're not waiting eight months I get now for yep. help. You know, yeah. like people are impulsive. Okay, if they can't book the appointment and get their medication from you now, they're not going to wait. They're gonna, just going to go somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I don't think that's going to work out. I just, I, I just don't think that strategy is going to work very well with this. Okay. You know, um, yeah. So what you can do now as the RN, you know, if you have some money saved to invest in this, you could easily open up this practice and hire a psych MP to start seeing patients for you and get the wheels going. Okay. Like, I mean, you could easily do this now, mm -hmm. you know, and you could just... <laughs> As the, as the, you know, as an RN, you could just do some, you know, supply ordering and some basic things like that, run the office, learn the ins and outs of running a business, running a practice. And then you have a psych MP seeing the patients for you and you just pay them. You just mm -hmm. pay them every month, you know, just pay them production, you know, pay them 40% of collections or something and just keep it as simple as possible. Okay. And then you can just run the practice. Like, I feel like that if your goal is to have this be a kind of a passive income stream and a psych practice, you know, you could do this now. I know non-medical people who own practices that do well. Okay. So, yeah. So, this would be basically just starting, you know, getting the LLC created, finding a psych NP that you can use their credentials with and get, you know, to get credentialed to start talking to some psych MPs. Would you be interested in coming on board with this? You know, we'll pay you 40 or 50% of collections. Um 
And yeah, it's going to take six months to get credentialed insurance anyways. Yeah. And then you're kind of just twirling your thumbs waiting. Not a right, whole lot. Right. There's not a whole lot you can do. Yeah. But you can find an office space. You can get it furnished. You can get it set up. You can begin, you know, talking with uh, someone that hires a receptionist, you know, a month before you open up. Like you can do all of that stuff. You can get it all set up and it's there. Um, and you can just kind of run it on the side while you're going to school and, you know, working. Uh, does that sound reasonable? You think that's something that you could possibly do? It, it would just be the 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 time involved. I mean, I and I don't know how much time I would have to be hands on with it to get started, because right now, you know, it's uh, I really uh, right now I'm just working out, you know, one day a week PRN. Uh, the rest of the time I'm, you know, solely focused on my education and my classes. So it's just a matter of time. You know, do I have enough time to put into it now to do that? I mean, there are incremental things I know I could get done. Uh, as I said, I've owned a business before. I already have an LLC from that business. I never relinquished it um, in the past, and I can, you know, adapt that. Um, I mean, something that is definitely something I need to think about. No question about it. Yeah. I mean, if you have an extra, you know, 10, 15 hours a week, it's probably all you really need to just get this thing set up. What What would you estimate the initial investment to be to, to get it? Something like, something like this, probably psych practices are pretty cheap to start because you don't really need a whole lot of supplies and equipment, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, a couple computers, some desks, you know, I mean, some furniture. Like, it's really not that much. Uh, $10,000. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, if you have some staff um, and you want to have a nice buffer, because it's, it's going to take three, it's going to take anywhere between two to three months to really start seeing that income start you know, coming in from the insurance companies. Okay. okay. So you probably would want to have three months of expenses in the bank as a buffer. So you're not stressing. So you're probably looking at if it was me and I was going to do this the right way, I'd probably have 30 or 40,000 bucks for this. Okay. That's about what I would have. So, um, you know, $10,000 to get the thing started and then $10,000 a month for a few months just to have there as a buffer to pay the bills, uh, to pay all expenses and stuff. Because like I said, it's going to take a little while for the insurance to start really rolling in. Once that money starts rolling in, though, then you're pretty much hands off. Like it's on autopilot now. You don't, you, you shouldn't have to be spending any more of your own money into it. And you should be able to pay mm-hmm. yourself back relatively quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's. Definitely something to thought I would have not ha- had considered getting started now with the actual business. Um, yeah, that's what I would do. Okay. Yeah, that's what I would do. I mean, I wish I, I wish I would have known this stuff before I even coming in. You know, became an NP. I probably would. Have, I probably would have opened up a practice and just hired some docs or whatever. You know. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's why I'm talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it's really not that hard. The stuff is not hard. It's not difficult. I'm surprised more people don't have medical practices. Like, you're gonna, if you open up a restaurant, you're gonna just be slamming your head into the wall for a five yeah. percent margin. You know, mm-hmm. if that, like, these practices are 40 percent margin. I mean, sure, there's a little bit more risk involved with it, but that's why you have malpractice, right? Yeah, so. Um, so yeah, that's what I would do. Okay, great. I yeah, mean, would have never considered that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, any other questions? Um, about this? No, not right now. Okay. Any other questions uh, you want to ask me? 
Uh, well, I'll ask you this. If you were to think back during your old NP school days, what would you have done differently? Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> uh, I probably would have done it full time instead of part time. I was I was going to NP school part time because I was still working uh, as an RN full time, basically. Yeah, um, I probably would have just did it full time and just, just get it done. You know, I drew it out over three years and I could have got it done in a year and a half, two years. You know, I probably would have found a couple of different clinical rotation sites, like some of the places like that. My, the place I did my PEDS rotation was kind of in. I really don't feel like I learned as much as I could have. Mm -hmm. um, but honestly, man, I don't think I would have done a whole lot differently. I mean, I studied a lot and I studied a lot of books that were outside of the curriculum of NP school. Mm -hmm. So I bought like some medical school uh, board exam books uh, that, you know, went a little bit more advanced in terms of the physiology, pathophys, pharmacology. You know, I read I read a lot of those books, you know, and that was on my own. So mm -hmm. my advice for you and any other NP that's listening to this who's in NP school is look beyond the curriculum that the NP school provides you, because in my opinion, it's lacking in some certain areas, especially the science. Real science, not nursing science, not this theory, not this, not you know, not this nonsense that they call science. I don't think that's science. I'm not science, you know, psych, uh, physiology, biology, like measurable science. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that's that. That's my opinion. So I, I, I would be focusing a lot more on that. Know the pharmacology. Know the physiology. Understand how to read the labs. You know, really getting the nit and gritty of that stuff. Because when you get out of school, you're on your own. You're seeing patients. You need to understand how to read some basic labs, you know, CBC, CMP, thyroid. Mm -hmm. You know, you need to you need to understand how to read that stuff. You need to understand, you know, pharmacology, drug interactions. Like th th these are the things that matter. These are the things that you need to know. Yes. You know? How to develop a care plan is nonsense. It doesn't really <laughs> matter that much. You know, yeah. <laughs> like at the end of the day, that doesn't matter, you know? So, right. um, and, and begin experimenting too and practice charting. Practice charting more while you're in school. Write notes okay. and actually write a note, you know, like practice charting and practice to be, practice focused charting. Don't write a bunch of nonsense that's not applicable to the complaint. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like I read some people's notes and I've had students before I'm reading their note. I'm like, how is that applicable to the patient's complaint? It's not focus mm -hmm. note. That's applicable to what the patient's complaining about and what's relevant to their care. So good. just kind of keep that stuff in mind, man. Try to keep it as simple and as focused as possible and really understand how to read some labs and really understand pharmacology. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's what's going to benefit you when you get out of school. Great. Yeah. Any other questions? No. I yeah. think uh, you've given me a lot to think about. I've got a, I feel a lot better now about kind of what direction to sure. go with this. And yeah. um, I'm going to start, start doing the moves I can right now to get things sure. rolling. So we have the, uh, we have the psych startup uh, course, you know, how to open up a psychiatric practice. It uh -huh. literally is going to walk you through everything you need. EMR supplies, labs, Maybe everything you need to know. It's it's a blueprint on how to start a psych practice. You don't need to be a psych NP to take that course. It, it's it, it's it's mostly business. Okay, it's mostly a business course that's just psych focused. So that could prove to really help you out in terms of you know this whole startup phase. But my advice to you, my biggest piece of advice for you is find someone that you can use their credentials with and begin the credentialing process as soon as possible. Okay, yeah, that's the first thing you need to do. That's going to take six months. You can't do anything until you get that stuff done.
Yeah. So get that started ASAP. Make that a priority. All right. Put yeah. start by it. Cool. Um, well, I'd like to end the episode with you asking me a question. You have any uh, questions? Anything that you've been curious about? I know you kind of asked the you know the NP school question, but do you have any you know any other questions? Any other curiosities? That was kind of my uh, end of the that show one. question. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's kind of what I figured. Yeah. So uh, okay, cool deal. Oh, and one more thing too: take those boards as fast as possible. You know, take your certification exam as quick as possible, dude. Don't delay mm-hmm. it. Get it done. You know. Your final semester, you're studying final exams. You're, you know, you're already preparing for it. Just get it done. Don't take three months off to study. Just no, I'm not. No. Yeah, get it done, dude. I took, I took it a week after I graduated. I was no. licensed literally within three weeks of graduation. I started working while everyone else was still studying. Yeah, I plan to take it as quickly as I can after I get done. Take as quick as you can, dude. Like a week or two after, if you can get it done, get it done. <laughs> yeah. So cool. Awesome. All right. Well, listen, uh, keep me up to date. I would love to know, uh, you know, what happens here. If you want to do a follow-up podcast, just, uh, just let me know. I sure will. I appreciate your time and doing this with me. All right. No problem. Take care. You too. Bye. Bye. All right. I hope everyone enjoyed the episode with Rick. That was a pretty interesting one. You know, he's in his 60s and he's going back to school. Like, you know, it's never too late to get started. If you want to pivot at any point in your life, learn something new, do something new, do it. You know, you only live one life. So do what you want to do. But I think that he's uh, he's very wise. He's very smart here thinking about, you know, preparing himself thinking about that preparation for the future on how he's going to develop an income stream to get him through retirement, you know, and not have a middle-class retirement, but to have more of that wealthier retirement, right? You know, being able to go take a cruise whenever you want, being able to travel, you know, being able to afford the finer things in life. You know, I don't blame him. I would too. And that's my goal as well. So I think he's very wise thinking through this stuff. So I think the big thing here is that, you know, if your goal is to really build something that's multi-million dollar like you want that seven figure eight figure payout you know you need to be building a business that you can make it as hands off as possible from you most nurse practitioners go into a business or a practice at being self-employed like they're still employed like they're still employed to their business that's not a true entrepreneur that's not a true business owner a true entrepreneur builds a business to where they don't have to work in it It's a big difference between being self-employed and being an entrepreneur. What Rick could do here is he could be an entrepreneur. He can actually start a business that works for him. And then that is something that you can end up scaling. You can end up growing it and end up selling it because it doesn't rely on you. You're not the one seeing the patients. So keep that in mind if you want to build a business that you can sell. You need to try to be as hands-off as possible in the business. All right. Hope everyone enjoyed this episode. Talk to you guys later. Thanks. Bye. Thank you for listening to the show. Quick legal disclaimer, the content of this podcast is meant for informational and entertainment purposes only and should not be used as legal, financial, medical, regulatory, or practice-specific advice. For information pertaining to your specific legal, financial, medical, or practice-specific needs, please be sure to consult with your lawyer, CPA, medical director, and or your state's practice laws and the most up-to-date clinical guidelines. As always, do your due diligence when it comes to any information found online and in podcasts. The content in this podcast is copyrighted by Galaxy Medical Southwest 2023 and cannot be duplicated, rebroadcasted, or reproduced with without our written permission.